0: I'm looking down here. I'm like, page three. Normally, you don't start at page three, right? Great. Good. Good. Yep. Right. Sorry about that. That's good. I. You know what's funny? I was standing over there thinking, like, I need to tell a joke or something to calm myself down. Apparently, God took care of the joke for me, right? <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> well, again, my name is Jeff Claney. I'm the... Uh, um, the local outreach coordinator with my wife uh, here at the Crossroads campus, and really glad to be here with you all today. And it's nice to give Pastor John a little bit of a break; uh, he's off on vacation with his family, and uh, we wish him wish him well. And and through this summer, we've been walking through the Book of First John, if you've been with us, um, and we've been going through this this awesome letter, uh, this this book of the New Testament, chapter by chapter, and verse by verse. And today, we're going to start with the final chapter of 1 John, which is chapter 5. Now, now, we've been using John, 1 John to not only go deeper into Scripture and into God's Word, but we've also been using it to show you at least one way that you can study Scripture, one way that you can get deeper into God's Word. And there's many ways to do that. This is just one, uh, whether you're studying uh, the Scripture of the Bible with your family or with your small group or, or just by yourself at home. So I'd like to encourage you to, to keep doing that. And, and this has been a very good sermon series for me because sometimes I tend to blow through the Bible, right? Almost a checkbox. Like, okay, I got to get, you know, I want to read these couple passages and I'll read through it real quick and I'll be distracted and I really won't get what God is saying through his message and through his word. I mean, I can read the same chapter or verse or, or story 10 times and then finally that 11th time that I really slow down, it's, it's almost like God's message jumps off The page i'm like how did i miss that the first 10 times and this study that we've been going through and the way we've been studying god's word through first john has reminded me of that 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 we just need to slow down and let god reveal what he wants to tell us through his word because honestly this is the inspired word of god it's not just words on a page So if anybody, um, as we've been saying, needs a Bible, we want to make sure that everybody has access to God's word, to his message. So if you need a Bible later uh, after the message here, or even if you want to come up now, you won't offend me. As you can see, things kind of go a little crazy sometimes. Um, There are Bibles here on the Connect table or over on the the prayer, uh, prayer table as well. So please help yourself to one of those. They're for you to keep. So by a show of hands, who here likes to take tests? Garth, I'm not surprised. <laughs> nobody, nobody likes to take tests. Come on, really? How about pop quizzes? We all loved pop quizzes in school, right? Okay, good, good, good. I'm glad you do. Or those that don't, just bear with us. So, if you could all please take out a piece of paper and a writing instrument, and in your top right corner, why are you laughing? <laughs> okay, we are kidding. We're, we are kidding. But, but who, who out there kind of got a little nervous? Like, wait a minute. I wasn't here last week. I don't know what Pastor John said. I hope he doesn't ask a question about, like, the end of Chapter 4. I have no idea what it is. Right? We get a little, get a little nervous sometimes. And, and I never enjoyed taking tests. I never enjoyed studying for tests. I, I would get this, like, knot in the back of my, my neck right here, and it would come up into my head when I would study for tests. Um, it was quite painful, actually. And, and, and honestly, one of the most refreshing feelings was when I graduated college many, many years ago, and I thought to myself, I never have to take a test again. Boy, was I wrong. (laughs) But it was a good feeling, it was a good feeling. And and looking back, I can see the main reason that I felt this tension and this pressure is because I wanted to succeed. I wanted to do well. I wanted to prove to myself and and to others that that I I could accomplish what I set out to do. And as I said, Little did I realize that my life of tests were not done when I left college. I mean, maybe I wasn't in class or in school or, or studying for something specifically, but, but I've seen that their life is full of tests, right? Whether it's tests of my character or, or parenting tests that we faced raising three boys or tests of my patience, which goes back to the parenting tests. Tested my skills and, and my abilities, my convictions, my, my confidence, and on and on. We're always facing some type of test, whether written or not, throughout life. And, and then I look back and I see those times when my faith has been tested. And, and those have always felt a little bit different than those other tests. And, and when I kind of was thinking about that, preparing for this message, I'm like, you know, what's different about those times that my faith was tested is those were not meant for me to fail. Th- those times that my faith is tested are really meant to reveal in me the truth of my salvation. And, and the same can be for you, too, when, when you encounter those times that your, fa- your faith is tested. So we're going to go back into the book of 1 John, as I said. And-, and-, and one of the main reasons that John wrote this letter was for all Christians, all of us today, to know that our salvation is, is-, is available to us when we encounter those situations that test our faith. Now, we're going to look specifically at verses 1 through 5 in chapter 5 today, but, but I want to start off by jumping a little bit ahead. And I want to go to verse 13 in chapter 5. And this is really going to set the stage for the rest of our time here together as we talk about those times that our faith is tested. John writes in chapter 13, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that, I love those words by the way, so that you may know that you have eternal life. You see, the, the whole purpose of John's letter to the Christians back then and, and to us today is so that when we face those times that our faith is tested, we can have assurance and confidence through what John writes that points us to Jesus. So so let's get into our verses today. And as I said, we're going to be in chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. Let me read this for you to start off. It says, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. This is how we know that we love the children of God, by loving God and carrying out his commands. In fact, this is love for God, to keep his commands. And his commands are not burdensome, for everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. So as we look at that, and we look at what John is telling us. I want you to think back to those times in your life when you faced tests and challenges. When you, and, and In those times that, that you've been most successful, what has caused you to have that success and, and to gain that assurance and confidence? I want to go back to a time when I was younger. I don't exactly know how old I was, but I was definitely in elementary school. And, and there was this time when, when my courage was tested You see, we were at the local pool, and and I wanted to go off the the diving board into the deep end of the pool. Now, I was an okay swimmer, right? I mean, I, I didn't do too bad, but I really never ventured out of the shallow end where I could always put my feet down and keep my head above water. And if you haven't noticed, there's not many diving boards in the shallow end of the pool, right? For obvious reasons. So this one day, I decided, okay, I'm gonna do it. I'm going to go off the diving board into the deep end. So I got my courage up and I walked out to the end of the diving board and I looked down at the water and I turned around and walked back. I kind of collected myself a little bit and said, okay, I, I can do this, I can do this. And I walked out, I looked to the deep end, and I walked back. I don't know how many times I did that, but I'm sure the lifeguard was getting a little irritated and I know the people that wanted to go off the diving board behind me were getting a little impatient. And and I remember even my mom and dad were over on the side encouraging me, and I still could not pass this test of courage. But then something happened. My dad went up to the lifeguard. And he convinced the lifeguard to allow him to get into the deep end of the pool and tread water right out near the end of the diving board. Well, well, this time when, when I walked out to the end of the diving board and I saw the deep water, and then I turned and I saw my dad, my confidence raised. And I was able to jump off that diving board into the deep water and pass that test of courage. You see, just seeing that my dad was in the water and knowing that he was there, if I needed him, helped me to overcome my fears and pass this test of courage. So, so here's, the, here's the thing. When we read the first part of First John chapter 5, that, that first verse 1, we're reminded that we are also not alone when our faith is tested. Specifically, John says at the beginning of verse 1, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. Now, as I said, throughout this series, we've been encouraging those that want to 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 make some annotations in your Bible, to circle certain key words or underline them or, or take notes. It's just a way to remember some key points when you go back and look at this later. So if you're doing that, I want you to underline the word believes and circle is born. And notice that these are action words, right? And it's also important to recognize that, that these are two related actions that are required when our faith is tested. And the first one's on us, to believe, to have faith. But faith is not the mechanism that saves anyone. Faith is not by itself the mechanism that saves anyone. By our faith, we open ourselves up to the action, the second action that does truly save us, and that is God giving us new life. What saves everyone, what can save everyone, is the action of God giving us new life when we believe and have faith. Another way to to think about this is salvation is not caused by our faith. Salvation is given to us by the grace of God salvation is not caused by our faith salvation is given to us by the grace of God which is revealed through our faith and and, and what I've been reminded again throughout this study as well of first John is that all scripture is connected from Genesis to Revelations every chapter every verse is the same message of God's love and, and we can see this as well here where Paul writes in his letter to the church at Ephesus, a a letter that was written more than 10 years before John wrote his letter when Paul was in prison. He says pretty much the same thing. In Ephesians chapter 2, he says, Paul says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. Well, then John goes on in chapter 5, verse 1, to say this. And everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. This is how we know that we love the children of God, by loving God and carrying out his commands. Did you hear uh, a word in there that that was mentioned four times? Let me read it again. Pay attention this time if if you missed it. And everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. This is how we know that we love the children of God, by loving God and carrying out his commands. It's the word love or or the form of the word love. So, again, if you're if you're writing in your Bible, circle the four times that you see love or or loving or a form of the word love. You see that this the second part of this verse of verse one in chapter five is really a different part or next part of our of our test. Really, the, the second part of our test of faith that we can encounter and it's a two-part question. Number one, do you love God's children? This is a theme that we've heard throughout the book of First John. If we go back to chapter three, verse 23, John writes, we are to love one another as he, Jesus, commands. And then the second part of the question is, do you love God? And, and this is a part where it's important as we do this study to go back to the original language that this letter was written in, which is Greek. Because there are certain times that the, the English language really doesn't fully justify or convey what the original Greek was trying to convey or the original writer when he used Greek was trying to convey and this is certainly one of those times you see that the actual Greek word that John uses here all four times for love is agape if you're writing in your in your Bible just write in the corner there agape a-g-a-p-e now some of you may have heard this word right may have heard it before but but it's important that we all understand what John is saying by using this specific version of the word love. You see because agape love is defined as self-sacrificing love, continual and persistent self-sacrificing love that doesn't quit and it never gets tired. It's you before me love. It's you first and me last love. It is super Natural love that we can truly only find and experience through a relationship with Jesus So so we go back to the to the two-part question of of the test of our faith We need to ask ourselves when, when we feel that our faith is being tested. Do you love God's children? And do you love God and we've heard this before? Jesus said this when when he gave us the great commandment which we can find in in Mark chapter 12 Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. This, the second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. You see, Jesus said this when, when he was posed the question of, hey, Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? What's the number one commandment of, of all the commandments that God gave us? And to paraphrase, Jesus says, love God and love your neighbor. And notice that he calls it the greatest commandment, singular. Not the greatest two commandments. Not like one is better than the other. It's one commandment. He says they have to go together. Jesus says they they have to go together. If you love God's children, then you love God. If you love God, then you love God's children. And who are God's children? Everyone. Everyone. So, so let's move on as we continue through this test of our faith, or times that, that our faith can be tested. You know, all throughout this study, Pastor John has talked about how John is very direct and blunt in his letter, which, by the way, I need. I'm not that smart. I don't pick up, like, on, you know, non-direct language. I need to know exactly what John is saying here or what God is saying through John. And, and he doesn't beat around the bush or, or pull punches, right? And, and he does the same here. As we read on in chapter 5, John calls out very clearly how we know if our faith is real and that we are practicing true agape love, and it is by our obedience to God. John goes on in verses 2 and 3 to say, This is how we know that we love the children of God, by loving God and carrying out his commands. In fact, this is love for God to keep his commands, and his commands are not burdensome. Now, don't check out on me here. Don't, don't shut down. Don't quit, right? I mean, we can hear that word obedience, and right away we can start to feel those negative feelings like, wait, th- I, I don't like that word. I don't like the word obedience, right? But, but we're, as we really pour into these two verses, I want you to look at the second half of verse 2 and all of verse 3. Because here John uses the word commands, Three times and again if you're writing in your Bible underline those three times you see the word commands but again that can be a negative word for us we can hear commands and we can think of rules and and laws and and giving up my free will you see the the, this word can really raise negative feelings especially when we say obedience and commands but John, John does just doesn't leave it hanging out there he finishes with with two very important words he says they are not burdensome. Circle those words in your Bible if you're writing, following along. Not burdensome. And then also, I want you to notice the connecting word in the second part of verse 2. He says, by loving God and carrying out his commands. John is saying loving God and obeying his commands are inseparable. You can't do one without the other. So now we've got to turn these questions even deeper into ourselves. And we need to look inwards and, and ask ourselves this. Do you want to know if you love God? Then, then we have to ask ourselves this. Am I obeying his commands? Am I obeying his word? And, and trust me, that can be a tough question, right? But, but that's okay. God knows we're not perfect. And, and a great first step to true agape love is to recognize where we need to be better at our obedience to God. Now, I I need to pause here, right? And and I really want to make sure part of of studying the Bible like this to get deeper is to make sure we really, truly hear what God is saying, but also what he's not saying, okay? I want to make sure that that none of us goes down the wrong path with what, what John just said to us in these verses. You see, John is talking specifically about our faith, and our love for God. Nowhere in these verses is he talking about God's love for us. Make sure you understand that, right? He's not referring to God's love for us in these verses. John does talk about that. If you were here last week at the end of chapter 4, Pastor John talked about where, where John, the apostle, writes about God's love for us. But, but I want to really make sure that no one leaves here today thinking if you are not obeying God... He does not love you. That is not true. Somebody here needs to hear that today. That is not true. What John is saying is if we love God, we show that by obeying his commands. This is focusing on our side of the relationship, not God's. That's back in chapter 4. So let's get back into chapter 5 and, and this idea of obeying God's commands. You see, obedience to God as communicated in the Bible Is actually meant to elicit a feeling of joy and delight feelings of peace and contentment and this is another part that we see throughout scripture from from the beginning to the end of scripture if we go back to the Old Testament the part of the Bible that talks about the world before Jesus came and we look specifically at Psalm 119 and Psalm 119 was written by King David who God called a man after his own heart A man who had a very close and loving relationship with God. And if we look at Psalm 119, we see that David uses the word delight ten times in that psalm. A couple example verses are are verse 16. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. Direct me, uh, uh, verse 35, direct me in the path of your commands. For there I find delight. Verse 47, for I delight in your commands because I love them. Later today or sometime this week, go back and read all of Psalm 119 and find those 10 times that David uses the word delight. It might be a slightly different word based on your translation of the Bible. But here's the key. Almost every one of those times that David uses the word delight, he found his delight in obeying God's commands. So the next questions we have to ask ourselves are this. Do I intentionally seek to obey God's word? And then do I desire to obey God's commands because I want to please him? You see, we've we got to change our minds from this negative worldly view of obedience to the biblical view of obedience. And then we can realize, as John writes, that obedience to God's commands is not burdensome. Now, here's another time where when, what Scripture is telling us, it's not complicated, right? But it's not always easy. When we decide to obey God's commands, it, it also doesn't mean that all the troubles and temptations of the world just disappear from our lives. Unfortunately, it doesn't work that way. We live in a broken world. As Pastor John said a couple weeks ago, we live in a world that's surrounded by spiritual warfare. But, but what this does mean is that When you receive God's love through faith and you then reflect that love back to him by obeying his commands, the burden is not heavy, it's not oppressive, and it's not unfair. And and how do we know this? Well, for one, Jesus tells us this. We can see this in, in his words in Matthew chapter 11, where Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You know, up up to this point, reading through these first three verses of of 1 John chapter 5 may sound all well and good, but I, I can guarantee there are some of you out there today saying, you know what? You just don't know the life I'm in right now. You just don't know what I'm dealing with right now. There is no way that I can find peace in the situation and the circumstances that I am in. Or maybe you've tried this, right? You've tried to to find this peace and and pass these tests of faith, but the world just keeps pulling you away from God, just keeps beating you down. Well, you know what? John's not finished, You see, he finishes out this part of of, of chapter 5 in in a very cool way. And and he says that there is still always hope. John finishes these verses with a promise. And it's a promise from God that if we truly believe, it will bring us peace, even in our current circumstances. In verse 4, he says, For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world. You see, first, what John is saying here, okay, is that we can find the way to obey God's commands through God's power. We can find the way to obey God's commands through God's power. Think about that for a second. I mean, do you realize how much God loves us? I mean, yes, he expects us to obey his commands because he knows that that will bring us peace and delight and joy, but he also offers us his power to be able to obey the commands that he gives. And, and, and here's another concept that, that I think we need, to, we need to catch. We have no power to conquer sin and the ways of this world on our own. I mean, first off... To me, that's a relief, because I've tried and failed miserably at times. See, God doesn't expect us to go it alone, because there is only one power that can conquer sin and death and the ways of this world, and that is God's power, period. And this power, God's power comes into us through the Holy Spirit when we turn to God by our faith. Now listen, this doesn't mean that that we do that. We turn to God and and we receive his power and then we just sit back and let God do his thing. That's not the way it works. That's not what God wants us to do, right? We still have to fight sin and temptation in obedience. But John is is saying that, that we do this under the power and through the power of God that comes through us. Through God's power in us, we will have victory over the world. Here's another part. We've got to step back for a minute and say, okay, okay wait a minute. Wait a minute. Okay, didn't God create the world? Did, didn't God create everything and everybody in the world? And, and doesn't the Bible tell us that, that God loves all of his creation? So, so why would God want us to have his power that will allow us to overcome his creation and his people? He doesn't. He doesn't. This is where, again, the way we're studying this scripture is so important that we can pour into it and really understand what's happening. Trust me, I've missed this. I've read this verse so many times and blown over it and like, okay, God wants me to overcome the world. I don't get that, but that's what he says, right? But, but the world that we are to overcome, as John talks about here, that we can be victorious over is the system of beliefs that are controlled by Satan. Satan. The ways of the world that are broken by sin and death and Satan, not God's creation. But, but what, is, what, what Satan has done and continues to do to disrupt God's perfect creation. You see, we claim victory. We can claim victory when we put our faith in God's system of beliefs. And, and that victory can only be found in one place. And that is in the person of God. Of Jesus Jesus is the victory Jesus has overcome the world as John refers to it in this context the battle is over and it is finished Jesus says in John 16 I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace in this world You will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world and then John goes on to finish this section of chapter 5. He says, who is it that overcomes the world? We just heard. Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. If you're following along in your Bible, underline the word who. Because it's very important here. Here's where, where John moves from, from everyone and kind of out there to who. He, he moves from God as the source of power to us and our personal experience of that power. And, and how do we experience that power? Again, if, if you're taking notes in your Bible, circle, underline, and star, believes. And, and, and notice that, that this is present tense, right? It's an action word. It is something we do. It is something we have to continue to do. It's something that we have to take action to do. It is something we consciously and actually choose to believe in Jesus that's it I was gonna do a mic drop here but I think Bob would probably be mad at me if I did that <laughs> but that's it right believe in Jesus love and obey God's commands and experience his victory God's victory through Jesus so now we're, we're kind of coming to the end of our test of faith here right of, of, of questions we can ask ourselves when our when our faith is tested and, and we have to kind of ask ourselves do you feel like an overcomer right now do you feel victorious over the world as john describes it in in that context right now and if not why not i mean maybe you you aren't actively choosing to love god and obey his commands and and that might seem, seem like a slap in the face but but it could be true are you expecting god to take away the desires and temptations of this world without truly living into your faith or, or maybe you've put something or someone in place of loving God and obeying his commands. Do, do you believe these things or these people will, will satisfy you even for just a moment? Or, or maybe you, you simply have grown weary in fighting against the world and the circumstances that you're in. You're beaten down and you're exhausted. And you feel it's, it's easier to give up and just give in. And, and trust me, that last one really hits me hard. I find it easier at times to just say, it's just not worth it. It, It's just too hard. But you know what always brings me back is hope. Hope that I find when, when I get more intentional in my connection with God on a daily basis through his scripture and prayer. And through staying connected with my church family and my small group. And those who constantly encourage me, especially those times when I'm feeling beaten down. So here's the final questions for our test today. And, and, and these are questions, again, that we need to ask ourselves, especially those times when we, we face times when our faith is being tested. Do you try to overcome the world and the world's brokenness with your own abilities and power? Or do you turn to God, knowing that his power is enough to overcome everything, no matter what situation you're in? Because when your faith is tested, the question is, where does your victory come from? And, and just remember what John says in verse 5. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father we first just thank you for your word, for your inspired word that we all have access to. To the message that you speak through, through John and Paul and, and Jesus uh, through the message, through King David in the Old Testament. That message of love and grace. And, and your request of us is so simple. To just turn to you in faith. To just believe in your son Jesus to to accept that salvation and the power that you grant us that can defeat anything in this world through your spirit father God help us at times to remember that that even though you are there even though you offer us this power and, and this peace that it might not mean that our circumstances will change But it means that you could change us in those circumstances. That through your power, through obeying your commands, you offer us delight and peace and comfort and joy. Father God, we just thank you for this word today. And we lift this all up to you in your son Jesus' name.